Coming up on Chasing the Natty, Xavier and I take a look ahead to week four, where we preview some of the biggest matchups of the weekend and the highest possible scoring games. We'll tell you who to start and who to, or who you should avoid in each of those games. All this and more coming up on Chasing the Natty. Well, Xavier, I can't believe it, but we're a third, no, not a third, already messing up math today. We're a fourth of the way through the, se- through the regular season already, though, in the 2021 college football season. It is insane to me how fast this really starts to go by as, like once we really get into it. Like it felt like week one started basically yesterday. Um, yeah. So how are you doing? Does it, does it, oh, by the way, I forget to do this every time I do the opening. My name is Jared Palmgren. I'm the host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. You can follow me at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. You can follow Xavier at CFF underscore Xavier. Please make sure that you follow and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And like I said, make sure you follow us on Twitter because that's where you can get the most interaction with us. Uh, now, Xavier, how are you doing? We're doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty, pretty good, I'd say. Um, things are starting to look up for me a little bit. Uh, graduate school kind of calming down just a little bit this week. Um, hopefully, I get my desktop back tomorrow. I went out and got my SSD, my new SSD card. So hopefully, we'll get that installed tomorrow. I can get my desktop back, and we will be good to go. Um, yeah. So we got a lot of good games this upcoming week. A lot of people will be telling you guys this week, it's another slow weekend. I think I saw a tweet earlier today where somebody was like, if you're going to go to the apple orchard to pick apples, uh, this is the weekend. Hogwash. Lots of great games this weekend. Lots of very interesting matchups. And we're going to tell you about each and every single one of them coming up here. So Xavier, you got anything you want to say before we get started here? I'm ready to get into uh, previewing week four. All righty. So we got two ranked on ranked matchups. So we're going to start with those here. And we're going to, again, we're starting with big games. And then we're going to get into later the um, higher scoring matchups. So first things first, before we get started here with our previews and predictions, uh, I want to point out that last week, uh, I we had 18 total games to be predicted last week. Last week, I went 11 and 7 on them and Xavier went 9 and 9. Funny thing enough, on week one, I went 11 and seven and Xavier went nine and nine. So we just repeated that performance. And so I'm better. currently sitting at two, 22 and 14 on the season. Xavier sitting 18 and 18 on the season. Yes. So we'll go ahead and get into our first matchup of the night. And this is where game day is going. They are going to number 12, Notre Dame, facing off against number 18, Wisconsin in Chicago, neutral site field. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this is a really interesting game because a lot of people are starting to see that maybe Notre Dame is not as great as what we once thought, you know, during the Ian Book and uh, the, during the Ian Book era, basically. Um, Jack Cone, uh, Jack's Cone, Jack Cone. Oh, God, I keep on messing up Jacks and Jakes. I just don't know what to call them. Doesn't matter. I mean, you just called uh, them a cute- food. You just called them Jack Scone. Jack Scone. Uh, I think that's just your interpretation. I'm pretty sure I said Cone. All right, y'all. Sorry if you, to if, if you heard if you heard Xavier say Jack Scone, please at me on Twitter and I will I will show it to him or at Xavier on Twitter. Just say at sure. CFF underscore Xavier. I heard you say Scone. Please, y'all. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, Cone at quarterback. Um, he's not as dynamic or prolific as Ian Book, 
But at this point, he gets the job done. He's a serviceable game-managing quarterback. And you could see the ceiling that Notre Dame has. But does that come to an end versus, a uh, you know, a not-so-bad Wisconsin team, uh, you know, with Graham Mertz under the helm and Chesman Lucy in the backfield? Um, mm. it, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to come down to the wire where, like, that Purdue game started to get a little bit chippy towards the end. And it started looking a little bit close until uh, Notre Dame pulled away. But, oh, it's going to be really close to call. I'm really uh, hope that Michael Meyer gets a lot more work than he did uh, this past week against Purdue. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's a crucial part of that offense. And then uh, we get to finally see Wisconsin again. I get to see Ches Malusi, uh if he can carry on that workload, or is Jalen Berger a little bit more healthy to get uh, some more snaps. So a lot of questions, a lot of questions for that game. So currently the spread on this game is Wisconsin minus five and a half. Mm. And – like part of me, part of me agrees with it wholeheartedly, but part of me also just doesn't want to underestimate Notre Dame in this game. This is the classic Notre Dame game where we underestimate them. We underestimate them. We're waiting for somebody to just come in and finish them off. For some reason, they just never go down. Similar to how North Carolina was with them, I believe last year. Uh, similar to how to um, to how um, I believe it was. Um, Boston College two years ago and everything where everybody's like, all right, Notre Dame's going down this weekend. Boston College is going to come in there. They're just going to expose Notre Dame and give them their first loss. Did not happen. So in terms of matchups on this team, you got on the the Notre Dame side, you got a lot of different playmakers that I think they can use on offense. Like you said, Jack Cohn, nothing special. Um, Very perfectly manageable quarterback, but – in terms of their weapons that they have, and Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree are quite the dynamic duo in that backfield. I mean, obviously, Tyree, Tyree, um, Kyron being the number one back there, but even still, um, that's quite the back, the duo they got going on there. Receiving work, you already mentioned Michael Meyer, um, just a huge difference maker in this game, just an entirely different type of tight end than a team like Wisconsin has to face week in and week out. You have Kevin Austin coming in, uh, like breaking out this season. I'm trying to remember. There's another guy that kind of broke out last week. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Avery Davis. Avery Um, Davis. Thank you. So I like the weapons that Notre Dame does have to work with, even though I'm not in love with Jack Cohn. And then you go on to the Wisconsin side. Ches Malusi, uh, Jalen Berger. Obviously, that's going to be your entire Wisconsin offense right there. Because – as far as I can tell, Wisconsin just hasn't really been able to get a true passing game going. Um, Graham Mertz is what we saw after that first game last year. Like everybody was wondering, including myself, like, oh, when will Graham Mertz get back to what he was in that first game of last year where he almost set the completion record uh, for college football? And he just hasn't been that since. And he, even with a full offseason, he's just not that. I, am legitimately shocked that the I, I I've never thought I would say this, but I think Wisconsin fans might be currently missing Jack Cohn as their starting quarterback compared to Graham Mertz. Because Graham Mertz has just not been it. Like there's a lot of hype for him coming into last year. He started off hot and then quickly fizzled out and he just hasn't been able to get it going ever since. And I guess part of that's also just that Wisconsin doesn't really, again, just doesn't have the receiving talent that even Notre Dame does. Like Notre Dame doesn't have like the best receivers in the world, but I certainly trust them a whole lot more than I do anybody on Wisconsin, except for maybe Jake Ferguson. 
So honestly, I think I'm almost talking myself here into I'm picking Notre Dame. I'm going to pick Notre Dame to in a technical upset this weekend over Wisconsin. Uh yeah, an upset in terms of the spread, but I think yeah, Notre Dame is still ranked a little bit higher than Wisconsin in terms of the AP polls. So they, number twelve, but, uh, number eighteen. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with Notre Dame as well too. I feel like they're just resilient enough, and then if you know Cone can get a little bit better week by week, you know, uh, we didn't see much of Kevin Austin last week. I don't know if there was because of injury or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't on the uh, box score. I didn't get to watch much of that game. I just saw a lot of Avery Davis. A little bit of my, uh, basically almost nothing of Michael Meyer except for one reception for five yards. And it was just really Kyron Williams. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like they have a little bit more in terms of the, the weapons that they have over Wisconsin. And I think Penn State gave them a good uh, game plan to use against them. As long as you're really like, you know, forcing Wisconsin to, you know, in these passing uh, to force them to pass, then Wisconsin just falls flat. I mean, Chester, right, see, you can also just force them to go one one for four in the red zone. Yeah. So, and then that, Chesma Lucy an to do. <laughs> yeah, Chesma Lucy is a great back, I think, but not as prolific to change a game or be a difference maker. So he'll get a workload of like twenty to thirty carries, but I don't think he's going to break off uh, for you know a couple of sixty or seventy yard runs. Now, it can be proven wrong, but it hasn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. I, I do like Notre Dame in that game. I'll take a Notre Dame. Alrighty, so we'll go ahead and move on to the next, uh, the only other uh, top 25 versus top 25 matchup of the weekend, and that is in Arlington, Texas, number seven, Texas A&M versus number 16, Arkansas. That is still among the weirdest phrases I have to say in this year of college football, ranked Arkansas. So Xavier, give me your thoughts on this game. What are you thinking coming into this? I just want to give a shout out to the SEC. We're doing a great job of like, you know, putting out great products and showing that, you know, we're the best conference in the nation. It's just great. Love having that SEC pride, even though, you know, you have your rivalries. And I love what the Sam Pittman is doing with Arkansas. I think Arkansas, people are finally respecting Arkansas and giving them their due diligence. I want to shout out Josh Pate. He made uh he, he started started hyping up Arkansas and hyping up Sam Pittman a little bit more and also gave the same uh acclamations and uh praises to Mel Tucker at Michigan State. And he was like, it's Michigan State and Arkansas in that same realm of just like they're coming sneakily good. And I was like, ah oh, man, we're starting to like start this little Kirby uh coaching tree, just like it's just becoming great. All these great coaches. Maybe, you know, in the next one or two years, Dan Lanning hopefully he stays with us, but you know, good coaches can't you know stay for long. Mm-hmm. But back to this game, Arkansas versus Texas A&M. Um, yeah, there's a, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Texas A&M, as we all know, Hans King is out for a considerable amount of time. So we're going with uh, Calzada. Uh, not the greatest quarterback uh, in the world, especially in the college football landscape. I wish Texas A&M had somebody else at, under the helm at center, but they don't. They have to roll with the, who they have. They have some great backs behind them. Uh, they have a few – I mean, they have pieces at receiver that I like, but I wish they just had a better quarterback to get them the ball to. The, the last week they played um, – I'm not mistaken. Who did they play, Jared? Uh, New Mexico State. They played New Mexico State. Not a great team. I think at the beginning of the uh, – from like week zero. Or week Liter- one, literally Jared. the worst team in FBS. Exactly. Jared berated New Mexico State. I was talking about how bad they were. So Texas A&M had a nice little like buffer game of like, uh, just a cupcake game that they had to get under their home. 
um, get under their uh, belts and just like, hey, let's see if we can work out some kinks. And they did. Uh, Desmond DeMoss finally showed up after like two or three years of, mm-hmm. you know, people seeing him praise in high school and looks great going forward. And then you still have uh, Jalen Watermeyer tied in. And you have uh, Caleb Chapman and a few other pieces. But I think the main thing for Texas A&M, they're going to have to rely on that run game mm-hmm. of Isaiah Spiller and Devin A. Chain. But that's going to be a little bit tough. Uh, Sam Pittman and those Arkansas Hogs, look, they're, they're, they're just a weird team to face. They're, they're more like a scary team to face now. I'm not going to – I'll make the comparison of, like, look, a lot of people, like, at the beginning of the year, people were like, look, you understand what Ole Miss is. Like, you understand that Ole Miss is good, and you probably don't want to play them during your season. I think Arkansas is becoming that. In the SEC, maybe not against like a BAM or anything like that, but for some of these lower teams that, you know, in the past were like, oh, Arkansas was just the easy game to go into or uh, for them to come to us and we could just get the win. (laughs) There was always, I would say, there was always Arkansas. Yeah, there was always Arkansas. No matter how bad your season was, you could, you at least weren't Arkansas. (laughs) Exactly. Now you can't say that anymore. Nope. So they have they have a lot of good weapons. KJ Jefferson's finally, you know, getting into stride. Traylon Burks had finally his breakout day for the season. Um, so it's just a lot of good things clicking for Arkansas. Traylon Smith looks like a great back. Uh, they still have Raheem Sanders back there. That a lot of people are excited about too. Rocket. And it's SC, yeah. Rocket Sanders. Uh, and Arkansas's defense is not terrible. It's still, you know, coming along and Sam Pittman is going to get them right for the future, but that's a team I probably would not want to face. Uh, probably not at this moment. So early in the season with them on a roll and with having this type of hype coming in. So, it's it's gonna be interesting. I'll I'll make my I'll make my pick after you give your thoughts. So, I think it's almost poetic that the first SEC matchup that Arkansas gets after they've been ranked is against Texas A and M, one of their biggest rivals here in the SEC, coming over from the from the um, Southwest Conference with with Texas A and M. Uh, well, they came at two different times, but you, should, you, you know what I mean? Former rivals and everything. They've kept it going since they've joined the SEC. It's almost poetic that this is like this is their first big game. And I am not going to lie. One thing I'm looking for in this game is the crowd. I am so curious to see which team's fans show up for this game. Is it like when you look at that stadium, is it going to be majority A&M fans like it has been in the past? Is it going to be majority Arkansas fans because they're buying into this team right now? Is it going to be a perfect 50-50 split and there's not going to be a real advantage from the crowd? I have no clue. I have no clue what those stands are going to look like. And But regardless of who it is, I think whoever wins that ends up having an advantage in this game. Because I think no matter which side comes in and becomes um, the majority in the crowd, they're going to provide their team an advantage in that neutral stadium. And I think that's something that people really need to be looking out for. Uh, you kind of covered most of the in-game stuff and everything. The fact that both teams are going to have to be able to run the ball. But also, again, you're right that both teams are going to have to be able to make passing plays when they have to. And currently, Arkansas is looking like that team that can, when they need to, pass the ball on those downs. However, one thing that you kind of mentioned here is that Arkansas's defense, while much improved from past years, still isn't quite there yet. AM's defense is legit. That is a team that is going to be holding a lot of people under 20 points this upcoming year. And I would not be shocked if Arkansas struggles to get to 20 points in this game, not because they're bad or they're underperforming. It's just AM's defense is that good. Um, 
I think anything else really that's kind of pointing out to me again, I would love to, I would have loved to have seen Haynes King in this game, but again, injuries happen and it sucks. Uh, I did want to point out that AM still like with all the talk going around this game and everybody being like, yeah, I'm actually going to pick Arkansas to win this game. And I'm still favored by five and a half. Like, let's not forget about that. Y'all AM is still a team that is absolutely a top 10 team for this upcoming year. If not just for their defense, and a pairing with an offense that, while not the greatest in the world by any stretch of the imagination, still is going to be able to put up some points. And I'm not going to count the Colorado State game. You get Calzada thrown out there in a game where I don't think he was prepared to play for because I don't think at any point during that game they were telling him, hey, uh, you will be in this game. Probably checked out a little bit. Not that that's the greatest quality for a backup quarterback in the world to have, but even still. I saw them play against New Mexico State last week. I would have liked to have seen more points, but even still, I think that they're going to be fine. I'm actually going to stick with A&M to win this game. Yeah, I'm going to be with the crowd, uh, some of the whispers. I'm going with Arkansas. I just don't like Calzada at the helm of like, look, I know Arkansas is not that great of a defense, but they have playmakers that can, you know, expose on, you know, his uh, weaknesses and, Calzada does not have the greatest of strengths in the world, and I think a quarterback makes or breaks or forces him to pass. I think Arkansas can uh, take the opportunity and uh, ch- change those in the, uh, turn those into touchdowns. So I'll take Arkansas on the upset. Fair enough. All right, we'll go through these games, uh, the, the rest of these games, at least in terms of the big games that aren't high scoring. We'll go through these, try to go through these a little bit quicker. Uh, next game we have on the slate here is number nine, Clemson at NC state and the big thing here is i'm so i'm I'm gonna you know now i'm picking clemson but here's the thing that makes me intrigued about this game when i was looking these games up earlier today trying to make sure that i got everything i needed xavier i have to ask you a question when was the last time that clemson was favored by only 10 points against an unranked acc opponent Oh, man. Probably before Dabo was there. Probably not, probably later than that, but even still, like, it's been a while. Yeah. Like, that shocked me when I saw that, because I'm so used to Clemson just having these monster spreads in these ACC, like, when they go against unranked ACC teams. And, yeah, that again, that's kind of the big thing that pointed out to me here is just how much perception – Clemson or the perception of Clemson has changed in just a few short weeks that they are a team that is not expected to blow out these teams anymore. Like I would have understood if this was like a spread of like 17 or something like that, but no, we're, we're, we're down to 10 points and SC state's a good team. Don't get me wrong. Like they're, they're a borderline top 25 team in my opinion, but even still, this is, that was just crazy to me. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to make my pick, but I will say this. This game screams upset, and it really, I really don't even want to say that about a Clemson team that's ranked nine. It, it feels weird to say, especially with the opponent being NC State. Like, no no disrespect to NC State. Like you said, I, I, do, I do rate them highly. Maybe not a top 25 team, but they're on that, they're on that cusp, I think. They're really close. But uh, I think – Clemson has had enough of the growing pains, and I think they figured out, you know, some – they still have some uh, question marks at receiver. I will say that. I think Justin Ross mm-hmm. is a, a certain guy that they have. Uh, and Gata, I think they're going to stick with too, but they need to find that last little piece. But I think running back is an issue that they've already qu- quickly identified, 
and they've quickly uh, resolved in terms of like going forward. I think Will Shipley is going to be that guy and having a consistent back that you know is going to be back there and can get you uh, in the back, catching out of the backfield and running for about 20 carries a game is a great certainty to have back there. So, And I still believe in DJ. I think DJ is a quality quarterback. I think he's a big guy. I think they've you know, seen the film over the past two to three games and they're just like, all right, maybe we should let him use his legs anymore. Maybe we should let him pass for more than 20 yards down the field. We need these opportunities. I feel like NC State is a great uh, game for that too. But the only thing that the reason that's screaming upset for me is that it's at NC State and NC State. A lot of these ACC, ACC teams are seeing Clemson as this like wounded lion and they're like hyenas just ready to pounce on them at any time to just catch them off guard. I, I mean, they were, do we, did, how did you not go for the low hanging fruit of wounded tiger? Oh yeah, I don't know why I started thinking about it, but I was like, I was like a wounded lion. I was like, that's I was thinking about the Lion King and the hyenas, and I was like, not thinking about fair, the fair. tiger. So I was like, I was in that realm. But it's same same analogy, same scenario. Uh, a lot of these ACC ACC teams are hungry. They want revenge for all the past like five to six years of pain and suffering that Clemson has put them through, the embarrassment they've gone through, the things that they've done to their program. So. I, I would I was expect NC State to treat this as like probably their game of the year and for them to make a statement on the college football landscape of getting that big upset. But I think Clemson knows that and I think they're gonna be prepared, especially that defense as well too. They're not gonna let that many points uh, uh, allowed from the NC uh, from the NC State offense, even though you still have some great backs in Zonovan Knight and Ricky Pearson. But I'll still give it to Clemson. I, I think every, I think Clem, uh, like you said, I think Clemson knows. Just like every, every week they go in, they know that they're some team Super Bowl. Like every team is going to give them their best shot. If you swing, if you swing for the king, you best not miss and all of that. Um, I do think Clemson is going to probably win this game very comfortably. I understand what you're talking about with upset here, but to me, this isn't sneaking up on Clemson. They know that they got to get their act together very quickly. I think scoring only 14 on Georgia freaking tech. Last year, last week was a massive wake up call for them that they need to rework some things on that offense. Because if you don't trust DJ to throw the ball down the field, that's fine. But you have to come up with another game plan other than these short passes that they're trying to do. Um, you got to trust Will Shipley a little bit more. You got to trust DJ to run a little bit. They, they saw a lot of success last week. As soon as in the fourth quarter, they started letting DJ run the ball just a little bit on a few design runs. I think they kind of figure some stuff out this week, win very comfortably in this game. I expect them to cover. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on from one ACC matchup to another. We got a lot of teams starting to get right in the middle of conference play here. Um, we got Louisville at Florida State. Louisville is a two and a half point favorite here. This is the um 330 game on ESPN2. So you want to go first? You want me to go first on this one, Xavier? Uh we'll go. I'll, I'll go quickly because there's okay. not much I really want to say about this. I, I'm gonna pick Louisville in this game. Um Florida State just they're 0 and 3 for the first time. I think the stat was into, since like 1976 or 1978. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been it's they're at they're at a uh, they're looking from um, looking from the bottom of the barrel. They're just uh, they're not looking. They're probably hungry to get a win, but now you're going against a Louisville team where I actually like for their even though they're like what Louisville's one and one or 0 and two, if I'm not mistaken. 
trying to think who was their first game. They, they played Ole Miss week one. They just yeah, they played Ole Miss. So they're, they're two and one. Beat, they're, uh, two and one. They're, they're two and one. They're two and one. Uh, week two, they played some FCS team. Oh, okay, so they're two and one. Uh, Malik Cunningham looked great against that UCF team. Um, you know, ran the ball as well too. And then uh, Jalen Mitchell looked great as well too, going against a UCF team that's defensively challenged. Um, so I, I like Louisville going into it. I don't really like much out of Florida State right now. Um, just uh, I guess Deshaun Corbin is a bright spot, but Louisville has a sneakily good defense for the ACC. They have good playmakers, like a linebacker. They have a, a guy named Avery that I'm looking out for in the draft upcoming this year. I think he's a really solid piece that they have that I keep on seeing his name every single week, mm-hmm. making big plays, a leader on that defense. So I think uh, just, you know, from a talent's perspective, I'm just going to have to roll a Louisville on this one. So you're talking about Clemson being in wounded animal mode. I think Florida State is in full wounded animal mode. This is a team desperate, and I mean desperate, for a win. They have lost some games this year that they flat out should not have. They played Notre Dame close. Everybody is so happy for them. And then they followed that up with blowing, just completely blowing a game to Jacksonville State. And then last week, it was like they hardly tried against Wake Forest, they have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we are 0-3 and we're Florida State. Like I said, that hasn't happened since like the 70s. That is an absolutely ridiculous. So like, Xavier, you know me. I was one of the hardest people in the world on Willie Taggart and the lows that he brought Florida State to. Currently, Mike Norvell cannot get this team going right now. Like this is, yeah. this is an embarrassment. This is a, again, I don't like to talk in terms of must wins and everything, but if this Florida State program, program, not team, program, wants to get anywhere close to out of the depths within the next couple of years, they have to win against a very hot Louisville team this upcoming weekend. They have to make Louisville make mistakes, do what Ole Miss did to them. Because Ole Miss doesn't have the greatest defense in the world. Like, they're looking decent so far, but they're not the greatest in the world. But you know what they did? They forced Louisville to make mistakes on offense. That first week, UCF could not do that last week. Florida State has a few pieces on that defense. A lot of transfers come in. Jermaine Johnson, uh, outside linebacker, can make quite a few plays to just disrupt that Louisville offense. And then you trust Jordan Travis, Mackenzie Milton, Deshaun Corbin, somebody. Just make sure you get a win this weekend. I am thinking they do it. I think Florida State wins this weekend. Louisville is only a two and a half point favorite here for a reason. Louisville can make mistakes. It's very turnover prone or it's not that it's a turnover prone. It's like once they start committing turnovers, it gets ugly very quickly for them. So I think Florida state can absolutely pull off this win this weekend. I'm going to pick them to upset upset two and a half point spread is not exactly the biggest upset upset in the world, but I'm picking Florida state to upset Louisville. Yeah. I will say this looking at their schedule for the rest of the year, if they don't beat Louisville, there's only about two games that I could possibly see in them you know, winning for their season. That's one against UMass and possibly another one against maybe a Syracuse team. And I really would still take Syracuse. I would probably still take Syracuse in that game as well, too. They can't win against Louisville this week. Like I said, so. this can get ugly for Florida State very quickly if they do not win this game this weekend. So I think they have to win this game. Louisville yeah, can afford right. a loss here as a Absolutely. program. Florida State cannot. And I think that's the reason why Florida State pulls out the win this weekend. Keeps, keeps the program alive for, for at least another couple of weeks. 
Uh, man, you're talking about from a two-win season to possibly a three-win season. I still think their program, I don't think they deserve the kind of hype that they're getting. From if the they can beat Louisville, I think that there's several other ACC teams on their schedule that they can probably beat. And let's not forget, Miami always seems to struggle with Florida State for some reason. That's true. I will give you that. I will give you that. All righty. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next game, and that is the another SEC matchup. This is Tennessee at number 11, Florida. So, Xavier asked me, Jared, why'd you put this on the schedule? This is not going to be an interesting game. And I'm like, you know what? I think it will be. Uh, Florida is in classic letdown spot here. Uh, you coming off a very close loss to Alabama. And if you have surfed the Florida message boards this week, they are automatically assuming they're getting a rematch with Bama in the SEC championship. Like their, their minds are already in December. For some reason, they think because they lost by two points to Alabama that all of a sudden that's a guaranteed walk to the SEC championship. If the Florida, if the Florida team is like that and Dan Mullen's letting them be like that, you got a very explosive Josh Heupel offense coming in here with a now hopefully settled quarterback with Hendon Hooker coming into the swamp. And I think that there's definitely a possibility of Tennessee pushing Florida in this game if Florida lets them. That's the biggest if here. If Florida's mindset starts going forward like they did last year when they went to LSU and LSU was able to pull off the upset against them, there's no reason why a team like Tennessee can't um, hit a couple of dimes down the line um, and force Florida into a very uncomfortable situation to where they could lose this game. That's my thought process on this game. I'm still picking Florida to win this game. Don't get me wrong. But I do think this game is going to be closer than, I believe, the 20-point spread that it is. So what do you think, David? I, I, I disagree with the spread. I think uh, the spread should be a little bit lower, but not by that much. I think Florida is going to handle this very easily. I really hate saying this. I don't like picking Florida for things. But Tennessee is not that inspiring for me. Like, I love Josh Uple's offense in UCF, and I think it worked at the UCF. Uh, for the AAC level, but this is the SEC. Uh, you're going against a great Florida defense uh, with a lot of five-star D linemen, a lot of guys coming at your quarterback really fast. And maybe, I don't know, if, if, if Pittsburgh gave you some problems, uh, it's going to be a whole lot worse going against a Florida defense like that. Brandon Cox is a, a superstar uh, future draft pick in the May, making a guy that will be playing on Sundays probably this upcoming year or next year. And you're going to have that type of habit coming down your throat it's it's going to be a lot of pressure for a lot of young guys too. Like all your both of your running backs are brand new and fresh onto the SEC and college football collegiate level. Your wide receivers are very young too. You don't really have much returning except for a few pieces on that O line and I guess some guys on your defense. And your defense is not even all that stout. So I will say I'm not very uh, high on Florida's you know, offense. But I think Malik Davis and some of their running backs gave me a little bit of inspiration to say, hey. You could run on some bad teams. If you could run on Bama, you could probably run on Tennessee. And Emory Jones can too. I mean, too and again, it looks like he can I, hit in the I, middle. I, again, this is something I went back and watched the Alabama game and everything. Like a lot of people were talking about, like, oh my God, Florida's able to run on Bama. They weren't running on Bama by running up the middle. They were running the option the entire oh, yeah. time, which was not something I don't think Bama was expecting Florida of all teams to do. I don't know. With Emory Jones at the helm, it was kind of like everybody had that thought of like, you're going to have to decide, is it going to be Emory or is it going to be the uh, the back? 
thought, I thought, you know, going in, they would prepare for that, but obviously they just didn't look like it. Nope. And, but regardless, again, the, the, the automatic, the, through just a few games this year, I can already tell that Hypel has changed at least one aspect of the Tennessee program in that they are not going to be a team that just lays down and dies anymore. Like if they fall behind, they accept their fate and continue. They're going to be a team that is going to be throwing punches until the clock reaches triple zeros in the fourth quarter. And again, if Florida gets like, well, let's be honest, if they get like how Bama got last week, if they get up big early on and they kind of get a little lackadaisical throughout the rest of it, I could easily see Tennessee kind of coming in and make this game uncomfortable. Again, I'm picking Florida and you're picking Florida as well, I imagine. But even still, like, I think this might be a closer game at the end of the day than people are expecting. Yeah, I'm still predicting a blowout, but we'll see. Uh, you'll probably watch that game a little bit more closely than me. I feel like I have some other games that are going to be worth my time, but if I get some updates, then yeah, I'll tune in. Absolutely. Speaking of games that you're probably going to be more tuned into, uh, you specifically are told me that you're excited about this game, so I'm going to let you kind of speak on this one. That is West Virginia at number four, Oklahoma. This is the 7.30 primetime game on ABC. So, Xavier, what got you so excited about this game? Yeah, West Virginia is doing a lot better than I expected. I knew I knew Letty Brown was good, but I didn't expect him to, like, you know, not to say carry the entire offense, but he makes the – he is the identity of that team and helps, thing, uh, helps the offense, you know, move down the field. And I think he's that prolific of a back. And I think – Oklahoma defensively is not looking as stout as they once were uh, in their bowl game against uh, Florida last year. You know, a lot of people had a lot of hype going in that, oh, Oklahoma is different. We won't have this big 12 like stigma of having a bad defense anymore. Like we have, we have pieces on this defense that can really like uh, get some stops. And yeah, I'm just not seeing it so far. And then if I go to the offensive side of the ball, we talked about this in our recap of last week they kind of fall flat after a couple of drives. Like you get one or two drives in, get down 40 yards down the field and you're kind of close to field goal range, but not just there yet. And then you just fall flat on your face. So Mm -hmm. I I think West Virginia is going to have to uh, really going to be probably a big test for them to see if like, Hey, if you, if you fall behind because you can't put up points, especially meaningful points too, then West Virginia can go up on you. I think they did a really good job against a, a great Virginia tech team. And a lot of other teams that they played that so far this season, but I, I've been very impressed with uh, West Virginia. Now, I don't know. Uh, I still, I still would like to hear your th- uh, thoughts behind this before I make my pick. But I'm really, I, I might, I might take the upset in that one. I might. Oklahoma's a 16 and a half point favorite here in this game. They're yeah. playing at home. They're going to want to put on a show in front of the crowd, especially after a very lackadaisical performance last week in a against a nebraska team that by all accounts they should have blown the absolute doors off of they got to get some things right this week in the offense i don't think riley's going to be letting up in this offense or in this game um they're going to go after that weekend secondary for west virginia who lost a lot of talent to uh the transfer portal they lost their uh defensive backs coach who's now at georgia they're going to go after those DBs, and I think that they're going to be putting up plenty of points in this game. Now, I'm sure they'll give up plenty of yards on the ground to Letty Brown. I'm sure that um, Dougie is going to get plenty of yards with uh, Sam James and uh, Winston Wright and uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, I'm sure, again, I'm sure West Virginia is going to score plenty in this game, but 
I don't think Oklahoma lets up in this in this game. I'm taking them in this game. I don't know if they'll cover or not, but I expect them to win pretty comfortably here. Yeah, I, man, I really want to believe that. And I really like I know Lincoln Riley probably has a plan of like, yeah, we didn't have the greatest game against Nebraska, but Spencer Rattler, I just don't feel I don't get that feeling anymore of like, oh yeah, he's the he's the next Oklahoma great QB of like that that spectacular guy that's gonna make all the right throws. Can I be honest? I've never really felt that with him. I I I just I kind of got like eased on into him where it was just like all right he's a five star kid he has this like uh, some highlights that he did in high school that were pretty kind of cool and I was like well I'll give him the the benefit of the doubt that he is in a Lincoln Riley uh, offense and you have a great QB whisperer so maybe he'll get better but now not seeing it mm-hmm. so but I, man I really mm, do it I, do it do nah, it no we're not gonna do it. We're not going to do it. We're still going to go with Oklahoma. I think it will be a very close game. Probably more than uh, – probably less than what the spread is. But, yeah. We'll, still well I hope Oklahoma. so. If you're calling a close game and you're meaning over 17 points, I don't think that's a yeah. very close game. Yeah, no. Anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here. And that is going to be – you. This is again, this, this to me is just one of those kind of just interesting out-of-conference games that – I didn't know these two were playing until this weekend. And I saw this and I was like, Hey, this is actually kind of a very interesting uh, two different styles going on here. And that is university of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB going on the road and facing Tulane. So this is an eight o'clock game on ESPN plus. So if you don't have ESPN plus my apologies to everybody out there, I think you're going to miss a very good game here. Uh, so Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah. Uh, Tulane has played very well this year. I mean, it was a tough first loss against Oklahoma because it was a very close game. And mm-hmm. it, it left a lot of promise going forward. A lot of people like Michael Pratt going into the season. Then last week, they didn't have the greatest showing against Ole Miss, but Ole Miss has a very high-powered offense that's going to be hard to keep up with. And it's hard to gauge their defense so far, but they're showing their SEC superiority to where – yeah, we just have more, uh, you know, five or four star guys, like better talent than you. So mm-hmm. obviously we're going to uh, show that in our defensive side of the ball. So it, it, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I believe in Michael Pratt to do it against UAB, but UAB for a lot uh, – oh, Similar competition, UAB does a good job of uh, stopping a, a lot of these teams uh, and, and what they do best. Like against uh, North Texas last week, they completely – I will say this. They they shut down the wide receivers a lot, mm-hmm. but it was only because Jair Shorter wasn't playing and Tommy Bush, and you only had Roderick, Bur- uh, Roderick Burns, the only uh, wide receiver out there of note. So it was kind of tough for the QB to uh, actually get him the ball. He only had about two receptions. And then uh, Torrey was hurt, uh, playing hurt. So he is coming back off of an injury next week. Uh, so that was also stopped. And they did a good job versus Georgia as well, too, in our, uh, for the rush defense as well. So – UAB is a tricky team to face if they're not playing, you know, up to competition. But it, it will be it will be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, Watts is an interesting receiver that I'm looking at as well for Tulane Deuce Watts. Um, but Tyreek James, yeah. one of my boys this year, yeah. I like Tyreek a lot. Yeah. I believe Tyreke he's actually James. leading uh, Tulane receptions this year, Probably. if I remember correctly. Um, let me double check that. He is. He has 11 receptions. Most on the team. Yes, that's the most yards. Yeah, he so, does. Uh, y'all, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Go pick up Tyreek James as a tight end. Um, 
even so, my thoughts on this game is are I have no freaking clue to expect from this game. This is definitely, I think, going to be one of these. I think this is definitely going to be one of these uh, data point games that we look back on later in the season when we're trying to compare conferences to each other. Because you have UAB, who is expected by a lot of people to once again be in the running for the COSA conference title, versus Tulane, who a lot of people are realizing now could be a contender for the Sun Belt. Uh, you got Louisiana and Coastal Carolina, obviously, as the favorites there, but I believe Tulane, no, I'm dumb. Tulane's on the Sun Belt. They feel like a Sun Belt team. No, they're in the AAC. Yeah, they are. Um, and so, I honestly, in the AAC, Tulane's probably like a middle-of-the-pack team. So if a middle-of-the-pack AAC team takes down the conference championship or a possible conference champion for CUSA and does it convincingly, that tells you how far along the AAC conference has come along by separating itself from the group of five conferences. So, Yeah. I have no, t- I really have no clue what to predict in this game. I, what are your, what, who are you predicting here, Xavier? Um, I'll go, oh, man, I'll go UAB. Okay. I'll trust the defense. I'm going to go to Lane and I'm going to try, I'm going to trust a better quarterback in this game. That is true. I, I did consider that as well. And I was like, ah, man, it's going to be tough. So, from one interesting out-of-conference game to another, we had a Power 5 versus Group of 5 game here that I find extremely interesting because, again, it's going to provide you just another data point for how good some of these Group of 5 teams are. Indiana traveling to Western Kentucky. This is a game that I I know Xavier pointed out to me almost immediately. He was saying, hey, this might be a game that Bailey's out trips up on. And I said, hell no. He's still going to put up points in this game Um, against power five competition. Houston Baptist last year was still putting up over four or 500 yards of offense through the air against power five competition. Indiana is not a top power five team this year. So you only have to say like, Oh, this is a better team than they face. They faced Texas tech last year. They put up plenty of points against them. They put up a, uh, there's another team. There's another power five team. They put up points against last year. This that the offense at Western Kentucky is designed to put up points. They're going to put up points almost against almost every team in the country, except for probably the most elite of teams like a Georgia, like a Texas A&M, like a Alabama, like a Clemson. Like those are probably the only defenses that are at least going to be able to stop the straight up stop this offense. So I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, Indiana's favored by nine points. I am quite possibly leaning towards picking the upset here because Indiana coming off that Cincinnati game, they played their hearts out last week. They gave it their all still came up with the loss at the end of the day. They're now one and two. A lot of their goals for this season are probably are almost out the window in terms of they're probably not going to win the big 10 East this year. Whatever chance they might've had there, because even with Ohio state looking down here, Michigan looks good. Michigan State looks good. Penn State looks good. Um, you got all these teams on the up and up over there. Meanwhile, Indiana's struggling. I just can see an absolute letdown game here for Indiana. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and pick that. I'm going to take the upset here. Western Kentucky uh, fires the ball through the air, puts up too many points for Indiana to handle. Yeah. Especially I, I... if Penix keeps throwing interceptions like he has been. 
Yeah, okay. Um, I, I don't rate the Western Kentucky defense that highly enough for where maybe Penix, Penix will have to really take some risky throws. I think he's a little bit smarter than that. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to still go with Indiana. Still going to have to go Power 5 team. Uh, it's nice to hear that what Houston Baptist did against this and where they brought a lot of pieces over from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky. But I, I mean, Western Kentucky, I, I mean, I will say they put up a good game against Army. They did. Um, 35 points. They put up 35 points. And Army is no, no slouch. But I think I just like the offensive weapons uh, probably in terms of uh, if I had to pick up matchups and say, hey, I like the Indiana offense over the Western Kentucky defense instead of the Western Kentucky offense over the Indiana defense, I'm still going to take Indiana's offense over their Western Kentucky's defense. And I think uh, Stephen Carr and Ty Freifogel and another receiver I was looking at as well, too, had a great uh, uh, DJ uh, Matthews, I believe. Yeah, DJ famous. Matthews is doing really well uh, with the Penix as well, too. So I'm still going to take Indiana. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it it could be a shootout, but I'm just gonna say no, strictly because of power five bias. No, I th- I I think Western Kentucky pulls off the upset here. Indiana. I don't think Indiana is that bad. Is like you know, it, it feels like you know Western Kentucky versus. No, 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 no. Hear hear me, hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If Indiana plays 100, percent they win this game and they win it comfortably. I don't think they're playing 100 percent on Saturday. I think this is a team that is very quickly realizing that almost all their goals are out the window and they, they're, they're going to be team. They're going to be games that they're going to circle from here on out that they're going to give their all in for some of these games. I don't think they're up for, and I think this weekend is going to be one of those games they can absolutely get upset in. So I'm picking Westford Western Kentucky for the upset here. All right, then. So last one here, we got pac 12 on pac 12 crime the Oregon state Beavers going over to USC Xavier. This is the, this is the 1030 Fox sports one game. You specifically asked me to make sure that this game was on the docket for us to discuss. So I'm going to let you start off on this one. Yeah. Uh, we finally get to see Jackson dart at QB one officially. Um, you know, not, you don't get to see like what Slovis only threw for like two passes before he got hurt. So, I mean, you still got to see a lot of dart, but now we're going to have a full week of him in practice running with the ones um, going into not so great Oregon State team. I mean, mm. they have a few good players that I like. That uh, B.J. Baylor is a guy that I'll be looking for in this game to see if he can run against that USC defense, see if he can have a big game. But I, I just want to see if dart is going to be the future of USC. Will he be able to, you know, pull Slovis on Slovis and essentially take that job away from him for the rest of the year? So it's going to be a good litmus test to see how Dart looks going forward. Cause I mean, it's not to say it's much of a rush, but I mean, he was a Gatorade player of the year at high school and threw like for a lot of touchdowns and also ran for a lot of touchdowns. So I, I like the, the dual threat ability that he has. And I want to know if like, Hey, is this a guy that we're about to get a lot of good film on and, you know, maybe for next year, he'll be a top five or 10 quarterback going for fantasy in CFF. So really excited. Yeah, it, like you said, if he shows that dual threat ability, he will be like, regardless of whether Slovis comes back and somehow takes that job back, which I don't think he is going to oh, be no. able to. If, if Dart does well, if, then no. If Dart does well, it's going to be hard for Slovis to get that job back. But you're right. Like, if, if he shows that dual threat ability, he's probably a top 10 fantasy quarterback next year pretty easily. Yeah. And 
I'm with you. I'm I'm excited to see what Dark can do. I really again, I was not a fan of USC as a program with Clay Helton as their head coach. Keaton Slovis just never really impressed me at USC. Everybody talks about it all the time, like, oh, he beat out JT Daniels. No, JT Daniels beat him out. Like he he got the start. It's just that JT went down and then Clay Helton, being the terrible coach that he is, said, Yeah, but what if we just stuck with uh Keaton? And well. JT's now at Georgia and he's doing very well for himself, I might add. So I am excited to see this team now with a different head coach. I'm very excited to see who they hired. I do hope they take their time with it. Do not rush at USC. Take your time, find the right pick. As, as we were kind of alluding to earlier with whole Josh Pate rant and everything like that, find the right culture fit. Don't just go and hire the next hot name off the, off the coaching carousel. Find a guy that is going to be yours. (laughs) Sir. Nah, something Reggie Bush uh, recommended that, and I was like, please don't do that. Dude, I was about to say Reggie Bush. I was just like, screw it, just throw in Reggie Bush. Um, God, there was some, there was a name I heard not too long ago that people were saying that was like a legitimate, like, hey, oh, um, I like Eric Bieniemy. Eric yeah, Bieniemy to Bien-Aimé. USC, I think would be great. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. Um, uh, regardless, I'm picking USC. This this discussion wasn't really much about like who's gonna win this game. I think it was more of just we want to talk about Jackson Dart because we both yeah, like Jackson Dart. Hey, I do want to see BJ Beller to see if he does well and gets uh, a bigger workload too. So that is true. That is true. That is true. Alrighty. So those are just our big games of the week. Um, obviously, there are other big games, but we're about to talk about those here because these are our these are our high scoring games of the week. These are the games that have over-unders. You can find over-unders of these games over 65. Some of these games in some sports books, you'll find a little under 65. But I basically went for the highest over-under I could find for some of these games, just so you guys can know what team or what games are expected to put up tons of points. So that if you're sitting there struggling, trying to figure out who to sit, who to start, you look to these games and say, hey, these are the t- games that are expected to get lots of touchdowns. I want to I want a guide from this game. So First, first game we're going to start with here is another ACC matchup. Lots of ACC on ACC matchups here. We got Wake Forest on the road at Virginia. So I think I'll start on the Virginia side. And Xavier, if you want to uh, touch on the Wake Forest guys, we can go there. Uh, Virginia, weird, weird offense, but it's effective. They got pieces on this offense that they – that or they got a lot of people on this offense that just don't work in traditional roles, like an X receiver, Y receiver. They don't, they're not just straight up running backs. You got a lot of hybrid guys in this offense. They are a special case every single week for the team facing them to try to prepare for. Uh, And these names start with obviously quarterback. um, Oh my God. Brennan Armstrong. I don't know. I don't know why I, I blanked on that. It starts with quarterback Brennan Armstrong. I, I called him this year's least sexy quarterback pick when it came to drafts, but it's a guy you had to draft. Like, it's not going. he's not going to be a guy that's going to be on the front of magazines. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be wowing you every single week. But at the end of the week, when you look at your fantasy team, he somehow got 30, 35 points. And you're sitting there just sexy like, now. you know what? What was that? Say sexy now. Oh, he's sexy now. He is very, very sexy now. Um, but in addition to him, he's got plenty of weapons. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, these last two weeks, has become a key, key piece of this offense. And I think he's absolutely worth a pickup if you haven't done so for your waiver wires already. Um, Jelani Woods has been a tight end that I have been pushing for people to pick up. 
Um, in addition to that, you got some other pieces on the scene, like Keontae Thompson, um, Billy Kemp the fourth is another piece of this offense. I think people need to take advantage of uh, Rashawn Henry is a, is a wide receiver that is finally starting to uh, make sure that he gets involved in this offense. So I think Virginia has got a lot of points or a lot of pieces for this weekend. And we'll be putting up a lot of points on Wake Forest. They put up 39 on UNC last year in an absolute burner of a game where both teams were just going absolutely nuts. So Xavier on Wake Forest, who are you looking for? Yeah, um, I know last week I said maybe not so much Sam Hartman, but now I'm a little bit on the Sam Hartman train. I did like him going into the season, and now over the time I was like, yeah, he's going up and down for me. But they have a lot of pieces on that offense that I'm just surprised about where we all thought it was going to be Ja'Kiri Robertson as like that number one receiver. Mm-hmm. And last week he really wasn't. He only had two receptions. You had A.T. Perry, seven receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, another guy, Taylor Morin, had seven receptions as well. Uh, the running back, Christian Beal Smith, um, had 95 yards and 19 carries. But you also had some other guys where they were splitting. A lot of the running backs were splitting. They had ten plus, three running backs with 10-plus carries uh, this past weekend. But I think Christian Beal Smith is still that lead back for Wake Forest and still going to be a great back for them going forward. And mm-hmm. Sam Hartman, uh, you know, rushed for 37 yards last week as well, too. So I, I like that and him, too. And he has a lot of weapons, like I said earlier. Um so it's just, uh, you know, with Wake Forest, they can put up points. I, I think I, I believe that this is a, a game where the over-under, you know, pans out in the way that, uh, you know, it's over 65 points because I think these two offenses are that great and their defenses are not that great. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I, I like these games going forward. I, if I had to pick a winner, uh, are we picking winners for games? Yeah, we're, yeah we're, 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 we pick winners for these guys. Ooh, uh... I'm going Virginia. They're going Virginia. Ooh. I just liked how I saw how they played last week and how they've been playing. And I think it's again, true. I think it's a team that just can put up points on whoever they want to. That's because they just there's there's just a special case. They're a hard offense to defend against because they're such a special type of offense to defend against. So I think I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go Virginia here. I'll take Wake Forest. I think okay. you know their offense is a little bit underrated. I you know Virginia's played some bigger teams so far. Okay. Uh, I guess Wake Forest's only game of note so far was Florida State, but 35 to 14 blowout. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Sounds good. All right. Next one we got here another one of these interesting out of conference, underrated under conference, ma- out of conference matchups. Excuse me, not under conference matchups. Um, we got San Jose State facing off at Western Michigan. Two teams that have been kind of up and down in their performances on offense. But, man, when these teams get going, they can really, really put up some points. So, Xavier, who would you like to point out the players on, San Jose or Western Michigan? I'll take Western Michigan. Um, yeah, Caleb Ellaby in that pit game looked phenomenal. He finally looked like he got back into form of, like, what we all thought Caleb Ellaby could be, a great uh, quarterback. And he's getting a lot of his pieces back that we didn't think, uh, you know, Sky Moore, a lot of people were concerned about. Um but he also uh, – we found some other guys as well, too. We, we found, uh, you know, Sean Taylor. Uh, Sean Tyler, the running back for Western Michigan, uh, emerged as a, a good uh, guy in fantasy. He had 14 carries. Ladarius Jefferson, obviously, the lead back for uh, Western Michigan uh, so far this season at two touchdowns. I, I will say I am concerned because I thought Caleb Ellaby was more of a dual-threat guy, and he hasn't 
you know, a lot of these dual threat guys that we had going into the season haven't been rushing that much. Brandon Armstrong loved his legs last season. This season, not so much. It's all about his arm, and it's kind of what Caleb Ellaby has been relying on this season too. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if a lot of teams are scheming to stop these quarterbacks from, you know, being so mobile, or maybe they're just uh, trying to, you know, I guess work on new things. So it is an interesting thing to uh, look at. Uh, Corey Crooms is another guy that you should probably look at. He had eight receptions for 161 yards. He had a big 54-yard reception. It was great. Um, But, yeah, I I love this Western Michigan offense. And like policy. Oh, man, what is that? 37 billion direct. Sorry about that. Xavier's looking up insurance. Oh, yeah. We're Yeah, Saban just sells me insurance at all times. He's just saving. Z- yeah. Xavier's at, or Nick Saban's actually in Xavier's house right now, like with yeah, the Affleck, Affleck insurance. Sorry, this is a Jake at, uh, for State Farm commercial. I mean, household. Sorry, Saban. You won't convince me otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do like Western Michigan's offense. I think uh, Caleb Ellaby will look better going forward. And yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll talk about some of the guys. Well too. Oh, was that, you think they're going to win the game? Yeah. All right. I'll put that down. I'll talk about the San Jose State San Jose State side of things. I'm gonna keep singing like this because that's the only way I can speak clearly today for some reason. Anyway, I don't know what just happened there. Y'all forgive me. Anyway, <laughs> San Jose State starts with the quarterback, Nick Starkle. Like like we said in the past before we talked about this team, uh Starkle has basically been a countryman going across all, all across the country, looking for different places, finally has settled on the West Coast at San Jose State. He's really found a home for himself there. Uh, the, t- the team loves him. The fans love him there. He seems like the kind of quarterback that they truly embrace and are willing to try to win games with. Uh, in addition to that, he's got plenty of receiving options there. Um, starts with his tight end, uh, Derek Deese. Done well for himself a couple um, through several games this year. Uh, Isaiah Hamilton. You got um, Charles Ross, two receivers that he's been relying on pretty well. And then I want to hype up Tyler Nevins here, but I have been hearing some rumors that not all is well with Tyler Nevins and this program right now. So I'm not going to recommend him to be a starter this weekend until some of that stuff gets cleared up. If you have Tyler Nevins and want to start him this week, please try to keep up with that situation as much as you can. I know that information around college football, especially the group of five schools, is not always great to try to find. However, again, that that's definitely a name you need to keep an eye on if you're willing to try to start him this week. Now, in terms of who I think will win this game, I think it's an absolute coin flip this game. I think both of these teams have shown that they can have on days, they can have off days, and I have no clue who's going to have an on day when it comes to this weekend. But to me, if both teams have on days – I think I give Western Michigan the slight edge. So I'm going to take Western Michigan to win. Okay. Are you going to go back in order with our games now, or did you just want to go to San Jose and Western Michigan just for fun? Oh, my God. So on the show sheets, the order of games is different than what I have written down in front of me. So my apologies, Xavier. I totally messed you up with that. We're going to go back in time, and (laughs) we're going to go to the new game on – Fox Sports 1. This is a rivalry game that we lost last year. I'm excited to get it back. I know TCU fans and SMU fans are glad to have this back. It's Battle for the Iron Skillet. TCU, no, SMU at TCU. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, I'll speak on the TCU side because I'm really excited to see. Um, there's one name I know a lot of people in the C2C community and a lot of people, even CFF, were uh, looking at this year. And it's not Max Duggan. It's Zach Evans running back from uh, Houston, Texas. A five-star running back. Uh, it was uh, on a lot of sites. He was uh, one of those top three running backs in this last recruiting cycle. And there was rumors that he would be at Georgia. Then things fell out. Then there was at uh, some other schools like Florida. Some It was just a lot of uh, turmoil around his name. And he ultimately ended up at TCU. And his first year, he did all right. He showed promise for that TCU program. And we were like, man, going forward, I'm really going to like Zach Evans if he gets more of a workload. And then he didn't play much his first game because of a, um, a coaching violation or a team violation. But his second game, he lived up to a lot of the hype and a lot of the expectations we were looking that up. He was going against um, Duquesne, and, mm-hmm. but he had like 22 carries for over 150 yards, I believe, and a touchdown or two. And I was like, man, if he can get that consistent workload for TCU, man, that's going to open up a lot of things for that TCU offense, and it's just going to be great. So I, I'm really excited for TCU because Max Duggan, no slouch at quarterback. I think his uh, dual threat ability is great. He's also a great rusher as well, too, to where, um, you know, I could kind of compare TCU to like the Baltimore offense where your quarterback and running backs are going to kind of have a similar amount of carries. Probably uh, in this case, TCU's running back, Zach Evans, will have a little bit more. But um, also you have great receivers as well, too. You have Quentin Johnson, uh, a name that's kind of get overlooked this season. I mean, well, so far this season, I know a lot of people in preseason rankings have him rated a little bit higher than than what he's doing now. But I think, you know, it's got to be week four. So and they had a bye week. So technically, this will be their third game. So I like uh, them going forward now in terms of winning this game. That's a little bit tough, but I'll take TCU. I'll take TCU in this game. I'm going to speak on the SMU side of things. I'm also going to take them to win this game. Yeah. Uh, my TCU friend, if he ever hears me say this, is going to kill me. But that SMU offense is looking good. That SMU passing game is looking ridiculous. Tanner Mordecai is looking like a better quarterback than Shane Boucher was ever able to provide for this SMU offense. And he's got a plethora of receiving options that are going to be dynamite for them this season. Reggie Roberson definitely has faded to the pack in terms of this receiving room. But Danny Gray and Rashi Rice both are awesome receiving options for this SMU team. Grant Calcaterra and Nolan Matthews both, I mean, Grant Calcaterra more than Nolan Matthews, but even still, two good tight ends there that SMU's been willing to use in the passing game. Uh, Ulysses Bentley is by far their best receiving back. Trey Siggers is another uh, receiving back that they've been using this year. I think there's just too many targets here for TCU to defend. And I think that, SMU is going to end up winning a close one in this game. I need to actually double check. What is the spread on this game? Yeah, it is I will say TCU minus 10. I'll be real. I expected Ooh. that to be a lot closer. I'm still taking SMU with the upset. Yeah, I'm still. I'm sticking with TCU. I think Zach Evans is this that uh, just beast of a back that I've been have, expecting him to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a lot for the SMU um, defense to handle. And also with Max Duggan's dual threat ability, it might throw them off because you never know. They could do run the RPO as well, and that's really going to put SMU, uh, uh, force them to make some crucial plays and throws. So we'll see. It's going to be a great game to watch. I definitely have that game highlighted for this weekend that I really want to watch all four quarters for. That's going to oh, yeah. be at 12 p.m. Oh, man, that's going to be tough. So I'm going to have to watch the Georgia game and that game simultaneously. Uh, we'll figure it out. Keep uh, it on the laptop. Um, 
Next game we're going to go with here is another noon game. This is the ABC game at noon, and it is Texas Tech at Texas. So, Xavier, I'll let you – or, no, you, you started last time. I'll start this time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the, te- the Texas side of things here. Yeah, you're fine. And uh, obviously, this starts with nobody else but Mr. B. John Robinson, who has been nothing but a beast John Robinson uh, throughout this year. Oh, God. Uh, I, I was wondering if you caught that or not. Um, I, I guess it was hard not to catch that. Anyway, uh, so B. John Robinson, enough said, he's one of the best running backs in the country. He's going to be scoring tons of points for you this weekend. Um, in terms of the receiving core, they got three clear options at receiver that they tend to go to. However, they've been pretty inconsistent, especially with Hudson Carter quarterback. We're going to see how that changes now with Casey Thompson, now a quarterback, or maybe Texas just learns that, you know, the run game is their identity right now. Got to ride B John, got to ride uh, guys like Roshan Johnson, put some Keelan Robinson guy um, carries in there as well. If they can kind of focus in on that run game, that could be um, what they have to go for uh, as the season goes on. But I think that you're going to see plenty of Bijan work. Uh, Casey Thompson, I'm not going to say it's a start for this week by any means necessary because, again, we're still not sure how he's going to do well in the passing game. But he has enough legs to where he probably provides a decently safe floor, especially against a team like Texas Tech, which has a, a very limited defensive capabilities. So those are my guys for Texas. Got to be Bijan, maybe Casey Thompson. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll speak on the Texas Tech side. Uh, there's a few good names in here. Uh, you have, uh, I guess I'll start at the hell. I know it. No, I'll go with the, who I think is the best player at Texas Tech. I'll go with Tosh Brooks, the running back. Uh, came, mm-hmm. I want to say, out of, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, I, I think he's the best player on Tex, uh, te- mm-hmm. Texas Tech right now. I dropped him in so many leagues this week. I am not dealing with that again. What? As- absolutely blew out their opponent last week and he got almost none of the work yeah i mean that it was tough it was tough but i do like the first two games where i was like you got a lot of work over 100 yards in two games i mean i I felt the same way about chris rodriguez this past week where i was just like let down and i think i can allow running backs to have a like one at least one let down week you're going against texas so we'll see how, I mean, we saw what Arkansas gives the formula of like them running on Texas. So I, I, I trust Taj Brooks in this week. Now I'll speak on uh, their their wide receivers, and I think there's only really one name to really point out, and that's Eric Ezukama. Uh, it was a lot of, yeah, it was just like um, it was very concerning at the beginning of the year where you heard throughout camp that he got hurt and he had an MCL sprain, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, he's gonna come back the same. And it was a lot of confusing reports where it was like, oh, maybe he tore his MCL or ACL. And then I was like, oh, it's a sprain. And now I'm not a doctor or anything, but it it had a sigh of relief of like, all right, you can make it back for camp and maybe you can replicate some of the success you had in the past because he's always been a really good receiver for Texas Tech. And uh, Tyler Sheck at the helm um, under center, it's he's he's a serviceable quarterback. I wouldn't, you know, uh, if if you're in a deeper league, then, yeah, he's a good guy to have. But um yeah, that's all we can really can say about Texas Tech. I, I whew, if I had to pick a winner in this game, Texas isn't inspiring because I feel like they always let you down. But for fantasy wise, Bijan's always going to get the good work. Um, it always just comes down to the quarterbacks, I guess. But I'll still take Texas in this one. I think they can outscore them. I'm going to take Texas as well. Um, I just I, I don't trust Tyler Shuck to be able to keep up with uh, a Steve Sarkeesian offense, and I 
expect Texas to win this game relatively comfortably. I imagine Texas Tech does put up plenty of points, though. Yeah. Um, go ahead and move on to our next game. And that is a very weird game, in my opinion, not because of the matchup, just because when it is. We have Boise State at Utah State at noon Eastern time, which is 9 a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> or Well, these guys are both mountain time, I believe. So this 10 a.m. for them. So that's a weird time to place like closer to West Coast teams at. So I expect this game to be an absolute shootout. I expect both teams to just be chucking the ball around. You're going to see a lot of points scored in this game. So, Xavier, I'm going to let you decide. Who do you want? Which which team do you want to talk about here first? Boise State or Utah State? Uh, I'll talk about Boise. Um, I think Buckmeyer is a a good. He's been a good quarterback this season for Boise. Um, I love Khalil Shakir and George Alani. If he's healthy, it's going to be great for that offense as well too, especially catching out of the backfield and running between the tackles. Um, yeah, I really want Shakir to get a lot more work this week. In the uh, last week, they had to go against Oklahoma State. It was a close loss. They only lost by a point. It was like what twenty one twenty. Yes, sir. So, um, I mean, Kalish carried a lot of receptions, just no touchdowns. And, you know, you're going to get to power five competitors. So things will, will be a little bit tougher for you, but he still looked great. And um, now mm-hmm. you're going against Utah State, not the greatest defense in the world either. So it, like like Jared said earlier, I, th- I expect a shootout. I expect to see a lot of uh, a lot of hundred yard games from maybe multiple receivers on both sides. And I think but I think ultimately Boise gets this win in the end. Yeah, I'm going to go Boise in this game as well, but I, I'm going to talk about Utah State here. Um, Blake Anderson just picked up his offense that he's starting off in Arkansas State, picked it up, brought it over to Utah State, dropped it in, said, all right, let's find the pieces we need here. Uh, Logan Bonner looks like has lost his uh, starting gig to uh, Andrew Peasley for the time being, and it the offense picked up right where it left off. Um, they got a plethora of receiving options there at Utah State. I think they got plenty. I, I think the top two, obviously, Devin Tompkins is a must have in your leagues in this point. If you haven't gotten him already, um, he's going to find the end zone almost every single week. They're going to, he's going to get several bombs him every single time. Brandon Bowling developed some pretty nice chemistry when Logan Bonner was out there on the field. So remains to be seen if he has that good chemistry with uh, Peasley. But if, but if he does, he's going to be another good option for you to start, especially in a deeper league. So I like what I'm seeing out of both of these teams. And, again, the running games for either of these teams are very inspiring to me. But, man, when these teams are chucking the ball around, it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm taking Boise to win this game, but I think this, this is going to be a fun noon game to start off with. You look like you want to, you want to say something. Uh, no, not, not, nothing like that. Uh, okay. I'm ready to, I guess, get on to the – to the next game, uh, if okay. you look at the show sheet, uh, we have UMass at Coastal Carolina. Um, so I, I really feel like it's only one side to talk about this. So I guess we can, unless you have something on the UMass side uh, that you want to talk about, but we can both uh, touch on Coastal Carolina. If it weren't for the fact that this is a podcast, I would just be staring at you silently with my eyes peeled towards you. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I, I yeah, we have UMass at Coastal Carolina at one uh, one p.m. on ESPN Plus. Sorry to all the people that don't have ESPN Plus. Uh, I think it's a very great tool to have for watching a lot of these games, especially if you're having like uh, have the multicast feature. Mm-hmm. They can watch multiple games at once. Honestly, but, the multicast feature is what makes it worth it. Yeah, absolutely does. But we're not sponsored by ESPN, so we don't have to tell you what to do. You don't have to listen to us. We're not getting paid to do this, but. 
I guess I'll talk about But if you content. wanted to pay us ESPN, we exactly. listen. Exactly. We can listen. We can hear out some offers. But back to the game. Um, yeah, I'm expecting an absolute blowout. And it's honestly, I, I'd be surprised if UMass scored over six points. It's it's not even going to be close. I, I love Coastal Carolina's. So, Xavier, what, what you're saying is I should start Coastal Carolina's defense against you this week? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I saw that you did that in our home league, and I was like, look, that's going to be tough for me. But at the same time, I have the best defense in college football in terms of scoring. I have UGA versus Vanderbilt. Um, not Vanderbilt. <laughs> Vandy. So uh, I'm fine. But uh, back to the Coastal Carolina game. I love all the weapons that they have. You know what? I, I will say, Gristin Call has been a much of a disappointment this season in terms of fantasy relevance. Like, he's solid in terms of getting you, like, maybe 20 to 25 points. And on a bit, like it's so weird because he's not doing anything wrong because he doesn't have to go out there and get into a shootout or use his legs. Mm. It's it, that's the tough thing about this. It's like Coastal Carolina can rely on their run game, and that's that starts with Reese White. But another name that's uh, emerged is uh, Shamari Jones. Uh, he had a few good games early on where Reese White had a couple touchdowns early in a, in a lot of their earlier games, and he came on as the second back. And then against the Buffalo and against Buffalo last week, where it was a lot closer, and Grayson McCall had to be a lot better. And at three passing touchdowns, and Shamar Jones had a big day of over 150 yards. He was that uh, the leading uh, guy for rushing, so uh, yards on the ground. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a slaughter. I, I don't expect this game to be anywhere close. I was surprised to see that this is over 65, but that's only if Coastal Carolina wants to do that type of damage to uh, UMass. Yeah, it's not it's not about whether or not UMass can score enough points. It's if whether or not Coastal Carolina wants to embarrass them that badly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you, you covered everything here. Again, there's no, there's nobody on the UMass team that I'm going to be like, you should absolutely start. Actually, know what? I'm going to take that back. I'm going to take that back. The, I, I, again, I've been compiling stats every single week, and a surprising thing that shows up every week is Brady Olson, the quarterback out of UMass. Uh, not that he's going to be like a top 24 guy for CFF every single week, but he apparently, like in these games where he's falling behind, He's putting enough up enough points to be consistently in the top 40 quarterbacks every single week. So, ah, man, but has he faced a team like Coastal so far this season, especially like that type of defense? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I don't even know if he's faced a team that – no, they, they've gotten blown out by Pittsburgh. They've gotten blown out by Boston College. I think, like – Yeah, Pittsburgh is a good defensive team, but I think Coastal Carolina, that's more of like a prideful defense of like, yo, we're, we're really – leaning on our defense to you know help us out sometimes so nah fair enough fair enough all right we'll, we'll move on from this trash game uh, uh we already covered san jose state at western michigan because i went out of order earlier uh but we're now gonna go to this is another one that's like just intriguing out of conference matchup that i don't think anybody was circling before the season but two great or good group of five teams here going at it utsa at memphis so uh, I believe you started last time. So I'm going to start this time and I am going to, I'm going to take the UTSA side. I'll let you have Thank Memphis. God. I'm going to, I'm going to let you have Memphis. Um, that's because I think UTSA might have more pieces to work with here. Um, Frank Harris has proven himself as a pretty decent dual threat quarterback, but he's not the focus of this team currently. It's just, there's a lot of pieces on this team that are, that are there to work with sincere McCormick. 
obviously still one of the better running backs in the group of five. Now he hasn't gotten the high upside that a lot of people wanted out of him this year so far, but even so he's going to be a very serviceable running back to you. The surprise of this year though, has to be wide receiver Zachary Franklin. A lot of people were talking about him coming into this year and I was on it a little bit, but I wasn't quite ready to believe that he could take that true next step. He is now a major, major part of this offense. And he is going to find the end zone at least once or twice in this game. He's going to like, he is a guy that's almost a must start wide receiver at this point. I never thought I would say that about a UTSA wide receiver. So good on him there. Um, Joshua Cephas is another wide receiver that if they continue passing like they have been. And that passing game continues to be done. Well, he's going to have some value this weekend as well. So there, those are four guys I'm kind of looking forward there. So Xavier, who are you looking for in Memphis? Yeah, I was surprised that you said UTSA had more to work with. I'm going with Memphis has more to work with. I think Seth Hennigan has proven himself to be that solidified starter for Memphis. It was a guy that were they recruited and not asked a uh, guy out of the transfer portal. This is a guy that they've always wanted and that they've recruited well, and he's done a good job. Maybe the Mississippi State game was not impressive, but that's going into SC competition in somebody else's backyard for the first time. And I think he did pretty well, uh, you know, for the circumstance. And then you have – all like just all conference receiver, Calvin Austin, great, great, great receiver, great fantasy option. Sean Dykes, I think, is going to be a key factor in this game as well, too. You have Javon Ivory, and then the freshman, another freshman, Brandon Thomas. Uh, he may have not had the greatest game against Mississippi State, but I think he did serviceable enough to where UTSA is going to be prime for him to have, even, uh, you know, to replicate the first two games that he's had this season over 100 yards and getting a, like 15 to 20 carries. So I, mm-hmm. I love uh, what uh, Memphis has for this game, and I'm taking Memphis in that game. I am going to take – yeah, I'm taking Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Memphis. Again, I think there's more players for Memphis – or that UTSA has to work with, but I think Memphis has the better players still, and so I think they're going to put up plenty of points to win this game. Um I guess we'll go ahead and hit our last game here. I'll be honest. I was surprised the over-under on this was so massive. And that is Kent State traveling to Maryland. Over-under on this game, 75 and a half. My God. So, Xavier, I'm going to let you start here. Who, Which team you want to talk about here first? I'll take Maryland because I know you've been a Dustin Crumb fanatic for like the entire off season. And it was like, I have to get a share of crumb in every mock draft that we have or something like I that. Mean, I, I, it was, I couldn't get one of him. And so oh. I want, there was a, there was a time where like every single time I was like, I want a share of crumb and I couldn't get him. Yeah. But I'll touch on the Maryland side. Cause I've been really excited about this team. I had uh, Talia Tagovailoa as one of those uh, sleepers at the beginning uh, that we had in the off season. That uh, you did. Was, like, you know, he showed a promise in his first few games last year. Then after a while, he started to, like, fade out. But it was just a COVID year, and everything was very weird. So I, I don't chalk that up. I chalk that up to, as just a COVID season for him. And now that he's, like, you know, behind, uh, with the team fully, he's the QB1 at Maryland. There's nobody really pushing him for that uh, starting job that he's going to have a lot of room to grow. And he's shown that to where he has a lot of top receivers. Dante DeMoss and Rakeem Jared are his two top receivers. Dante DeMoss is, I think, having the better season slightly. But it's been great. The tight end has been well with uh, for them uh, as well too. Uh, the uh, the running back I forgot. I think his last. I think it's Fleet Davis. Yeah, Fleet Davis. Great. Yeah, Fleet Davis has been a really great back for Maryland that I've been surprised 
uh, can catch up the backfield as well, too. So it's just been the Maryland offense is low key scary good. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to push anybody in the Big Ten or anything like that, but oh, no, yeah, it's scary good, good putting up 20 points on Illinois. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, Illinois. I mean, Illinois. Yeah, I don't know. Illinois is just weird. I mean, they're still bad, but yeah, it's, it's not terrible, terrible. Yeah, so, that, that was an ugly game for both of them. Yeah. Uh, you're you're leaving me uh, to talk about Kent State here. And like I, like you said, Dustin Crum is about to go off in almost every fantasy league. Um, if you're an owner of Dustin Crum and you feel like you're getting frustrated with him, do not drop him yet. Do not drop him yet. It is just about to begin. And I believe it probably starts this week at the very least. Maryland's a good team. Don't get me wrong. I do think they're worth a top 25 team. I believe they are a top 25 team in this week's poll. Um, their defense isn't that special. They're not Texas A&M. They're not um, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. They're not, they're not those teams. Crum is going to be able to put up some points in this game. And I believe his dual threat ability is going to be provide him an extremely safe floor in this game. And he's got plenty to work with. Marquez Cooper has come in on the second year as the lead running back for this team and has definitely carved himself out a role in this offense. In addition to that, Nikeem Johnson in the absence of Ja'Shawn Polk has become a massive receiving weapon for Kent State in this team. Absolutely, I believe that I don't I, I'm I'm taking Maryland to win. Let me be clear here. But Kent State's gonna put up some points in this game. And this over 75 and a half shows that even Vegas knows that this this game can get out of hand very, very quickly in terms of just back and forth, scoring, scoring, scoring for a very long time. So I'm taking Maryland, but I expect Kent State to give Maryland all they can. Yeah. I have no grievances with that. I maybe think Maryland is going to be a little bit better and give give them, you know, a few more problems. So maybe it won't be as, you know, high scoring as what Vegas thinks it is. You said it was like what uh, over under was 75? 75 and a half. Yeah, nah, I don't think it's going to get that high. I would say I'd still agree with it if it was, you know, 65, like for our over-unders. But yeah, not probably not 75, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I, again, I was shocked on that one when I saw just how high that spread was. I was just like, are you kidding me right now? That's that that's insane. I understood that when it was uh, Louisville Ole Miss. I got I got that because those are two teams that are expected to score a lot. Kansas State, Maryland, don't strike me as a team that can hit that. But I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah. So that covers our last game. Um, again, just to kind of recap here. Uh, again, these are the games to watch out for if you are just, you know, struggling with uh, who to sit, who to start. Look at these games and see if you have anybody on your roster. These are the games that people are expected to score a ton of points in. Wake Forest at Virginia, San Jose State at Western Michigan, Kent State at Maryland, UMass at Coastal Carolina, Boise State at Utah State, Texas Tech at Texas, UTSA at Memphis, and SMU at TCU. So, that's it. We covered 17 games here. We've talked a lot of college football here. Uh, Xavier, you want to close this out? Sure. Uh, yeah. Thank you all for subscribing and listening to our podcast. Uh, this is the Chase and Natty podcast. You can follow us and subscribe to us on all uh, podcast platforms from Apple Music to Spotify. Uh, we are excited for the future. Don't forget to um, follow us at C- on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared and CFF underscore Xavier. 
Uh, we love getting those, uh, you know, the DMs about uh, questions that y'all might have or just adding us for uh, questions. doesn't matter in public or private. We don't judge. We'll give you our honest opinion. Uh, what, uh, be on the lookout for our next show on, I believe, Friday for our sit-start discussion for the Kings Classic uh, uh, draft, or not draft, but our league. Uh, yeah, so that'll be out then. Uh, we have a tough opponent, I believe. Who are we going against? We are going against uh, Josh Sevillier from CFF Guys. Okay. So, yeah, I think Josh has a pretty good team as well, too. Uh, we have some great matchups that we're going to uh, talk about there. But, yeah, thank you all for coming in and listening to our uh, week four preview. And we can't wait to uh, give you all more content and hear us next time. So, thank you. Peace, y'all. Yeah.